This is episode eight of The Chick in Charge with host Mary Parker. Today's guest is Myra J., a groundbreaking African-American female stand-up comic. Launching her stand-up in Chicago, one of the toughest towns for comedians, Myra J. was often confused as a waitress at the club she played. Never deviating, Myra would take the stage and, in her own words, go for it. Encouraged by audience reaction as well as club owners that believed in her talent, Myra J. is still making people laugh and making them think. Welcome to the Chicken Charge. All-in-One Security CEO Mary Parker celebrates the success of women in the world of business and in life. Mary's own humble beginnings in rural Mississippi led her to become one of the only African-American females running a multi-million dollar security firm. She is definitely the Chicken Charge. Here now is Mary Parker. Good morning. This is Mary Parker, CEO of All-in-One Security and author of The Chick in Charge podcast. We are so excited today. (laughs) You know, I'm really, really excited today. I'm excited every day. (laughs) But so much is going on here behind the scenes. My energy is, I am like a 10 plus today. so good. In my personal health and professional life. It's It's such a good time. Such a good time. And I've got my sidekick here with me today. Just don't kick me. Sarah <laughs> say that every time she says it. No kicking. No, no kicking. Sarah Smith with Sarah Solution Smith. Roads. And we've got none other than our own Myra J. <laughs> Woo! Hello. So, so I, you know, I just feel like we're really in an important place because we're here with you today. You have such, you're, you have such a strong brand, Myra. Everybody knows you, our kids and everyone. And so we're going to just open up here today and just let you have it. If you just began by telling us. In a good us. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have to be, we have to be careful with the comedians, right? We have right? to be very, oh, oh, very I, nice to I our know. guests. I, I did radio. I, I know. Okay, so go ahead, Myra. Myra. Get us engaged here. Okay. But many people ask, well, how did you get into comedy? And it's a very interesting story because I actually got into it on a dare. A guy took me on a date. I was living in Los Angeles, took me to the comedy store on a Saturday night and we saw the comedians. This was in the mid 80s. And at the the end of the show, he was like, what did you think? And I was like, well, you know, them guys are all right, but I think I'm as funny as half the guys up there. And he was like, well, if you think you're so funny, every Monday night is open mic night. I didn't even know what open mic meant. (laughs) I'm like, what's an open mic? He said, anybody can get on stage for three minutes. This was on Saturday night. Monday night, I went on stage for the first time ever. Wow. And fortunately, I did pretty good. And it was like the light went on. I knew that I, what I wanted to do. And I was in social services. And, and I remember getting off stage, and I called my mother back in Chicago. And I said, I know what I want to do. I want to do stand-up comedy. And her response was, Lord, somebody go get her. <laughs> she went to L.A. and lost her mind. She wants to tell knock-knock jokes. You got a good government job. You got benefits, a credit union, dental plan. And now you want to tell Myra, jokes. Myra, this is funny. This, now, this is funny. <laughs> I am so reminded and I'm laughing because I had similar experience. I worked at General Motors mm-hmm. and it was Generous Motors. And when I told my family that I was leaving the plant and moving to Chicago, my uncle said, Lord help her. 
Lord help her. <laughs> but you know, don't you believe that when we allow ourselves to step out on faith? Yes. And the things that we believe in, that we become a greater testimony? Yes. Yes. Well, what what was so so strange? Because, of course, as everyone knows, success doesn't happen overnight. And yes, I struggled, but by then I was a single mom. But when I look back, I was voted most humorous female of my senior class. Oh. But back in those days, in the 70s and 60s, they were not encouraging young women, especially women of color, you should go into comedy. You should be a <laughs> right, writer. Right. No, we were going to be a secretary, a school teacher, a social worker, or a nurse, those, or a wife. Those, that, that was our future. And so for, for me back then to go, no, I want to do stand-up comedy. Oh, that's good. My entire family was like, well, at least go out there and get the baby. If she want to lose her man, there's no sense in the kid suffering. This is, <laughs> this is absolutely awesome, Myra. You know, uh, what we're doing, the purpose of this podcast is really to empower women yes. with our stories and life lessons and how we've overcome so many of those things, and now we call ourselves successful. And we do know that success means totally different things to different people. Mm -hmm. But what I want you to address here for us is when did you know, when did you know that you, were, that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Was it your first job? I know that stand-up comedy, comedy was not. So talk a little bit about things you did early on in life uh, that has helped drive your commitment, your work, all of, all, of the, all of the things that you can now attribute, some of the things you can attribute to your success. Well, what, one of the things, I, I was in social services, and I did everything from working in, in prisons to working in juvenile hall. I did child abuse investigation because I really liked helping people. I like to, to be that assistant in helping someone help themselves. So, so I think that that's, that's just a part of, of my personality. When I got into to stand-up comedy and, and it was just kind of sticking out like a sore thumb because it was like, you're a black woman out here in a man's world trying to do stand-up comedy. As a matter of fact, when I did that, that first night the talent scouts w were there, and they were asking me, "Who's your agent?" You know, and I'm like, "What's the agent?" <laughs> I, I had I had no idea about show business, and and I will never forget what they said to me. They said, "You're funny, but you don't look like a black comedian." And I knew what they were saying to me, because at that time when we had shows like um, "What's Happening," "Good Time," that's my mama. Most of the female comedian character leads were dark complexion, heavy set, and yes, we have beautiful, talented women of color that look like that, but we come in all shades. And so because they were trying to put me in that box of like, but they said to me, we don't know what to do with you. And I was so determined to think to myself, I'm not worried about what you're gonna do with right. me. I'm going to make my own decision as to what I'm going to do with myself and how I'm going to walk through this thing called comedy. Now, that's the attitude of the chicken charge, <laughs> and you are definitely one of those. And you know what? I'm, as I'm listening to you and just thinking back over my life, and everything I've done has been in a non-traditional male, specifically white male-dominated industry. Mm -hmm. And you know, we, we learn so many lessons within that environment that people have no idea yes. how many things we've overcome. We've blazed the trail, 
for many of our young people going into entertainment being a woman in stand-up coming. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter the industry nowadays. Preparation, yes. opportunities, yes. success. Yes. You know, but again, we as as the older generation now, we mm -hmm. I believe we have a responsibility yes. to now go back and reach and bring up these younger people both from an educational perspective as well as entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. Because just like yourself, when I was growing up, I was taught in high school, home economics, mm -hmm. being a secretary, <laughs> and by the way, I've never done any. <laughs> I never did any of those. And so just being, you know, growing up with my uncle being an, a mechanic, he was one of the best known mechanics in West Michigan where mm -hmm. I grew up. Well, it was interesting. I wanted to do the things boys did because yeah. as a girl, I was very, very tomboyish. Mm -hmm. But we can take those skills, those yes. talents, those relationships and continue to drive, think our way into the destiny yes. that we choose for ourselves yes. Yes. and utilize those experiences for, from being in male-dominated industries because work is work, right? Okay. And it doesn't matter the gender or ethnicity. People are looking for those who can deliver with professionalism, expertise, and then also being team players. Yes, yes. You, you know, uh, you, you talked about following what, what we're driven to, to do. Uh, I, I love greeting cards. My, my friends and I were always sending cards and cards and cards. And I remember standing in the store and I was looking at these cards for like Mother's Day and nothing was saying. I was like, but this is not really how my friends talk. And many of us were, were single moms. And I started looking around. I'm like, there are no cards for single moms. And so I had come up with this line of cards, sort of comedic cards for single moms. Wow. And, and the reason so interesting. That, that I wanted them to, to be empowering and funny is, is because so many times we get the, oh, you're a single mom. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh baby. Oh, Lord, help you. But, and, yes, we can struggle, but there are so many hilarious moments that we also experience as mothers, as single moms, yeah. that I wanted cards that spoke to that single mom. And so I looked around and I went, hmm, nobody else has them. I guess I'll create some. Love it. Good for you. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. yeah. Find, a, find a problem mm -hmm. and, and deliver a solution. Yes. Love that. Yes. And so, and so there are uh, just, you know, in terms of where we are today, mm -hmm. we've had great experience under our belt. <laughs> Some of the things that we did, if we would have known differently then, we would have done differently. What would you say to your younger self? Oh my gosh, what a great question. I would have told myself to be patient, to stop trying to please others. That was a big fault of mine because when you try to make ev everybody else happy, which you never will, you'll be the one who's unhappy. You really have to follow your passion and satisfy yourself first in order to, to help others. It's like love yourself first. Um, the, those those weren't were the two main things because I was so, I, I wanted it to, to happen now. But it's like, girlfriend, you gotta get some experience under your belt. As they say, pay, pay your dues, 
get experience, learn the job, study for, from your elders, listen to, to your elders. One of the smartest pieces of advice that I got, I was um, getting ready to, to do a special. I was opening for the late, great Robin Harris mm -hmm. uh, to, to do a comedy special. And I'm sitting there, I'm studying my notes. I'm so nervous. And this woman walks in and she says, baby, what's that? Is that, that your comedy notes? I said, yes. And she snatched my paper and said, either you know it or you don't. And it was LaWanda Page, known as Aunt, <laughs> Hello. Aunt, Aunt Esther <laughs> from, from Sanford and Son. And, and I'm just sitting there because I'm like, well, I can't say nothing because that's LaWanda Page. Right. But she sat me down afterwards and she said, you, you have talent you will do well in this industry. She says, you'll be offered other jobs. She said, but never give up stand-up because that's your gift and you can dictate when you work, where you work, how you work, that's yours to own. She said, you'll end up doing TV. She said, but sometimes TV can be too much mustard for the hot dog. That's <laughs> wonderful, wonderful <laughs> advice. Yes. And, and she's a pro. Yes, yes, and, and, I, and I never ever forgot that because she actually took the time to sit down and talk to me and school me about the game of comedy and no one had really done that and and, and to hear that from a woman and because she she told me she said <laughs> she said she was doing comedy back in the day where she had to play in um, Jump Off Mississippi. And I said, well, where? I said, where's Jump Off Mississippi? She said, because you ride the bus, you jump off and walk the rest of the way. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it's not that far. And I can tell you, she was probably talking about Delta, Mississippi, because you can go from one city to the other, and there's about 16 of them. If you blink your eyes, you're going to miss the whole trip. Oh yeah, that's God. probably around Belzoni somewhere. Well, that's Delta. I know, because that's where my father's side of the family's from. Well, see, my family <laughs> is from Grenada. So, <laughs> you know, back in the day with grandma and those, mm -hmm. they would say, we, we, we people. Mm -hmm. We people, baby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Sarah, you I, come on. Join I us really want to ask a question. Sure. Um, about your comedic gift um i think sometimes it's got a lot of layers to it mm -hmm. when you're when you're up there and and you're commenting on society mm -hmm. and on on your observations you have to be very brave but you also you're not stating things in an obvious way mm -hmm. as a comedian and i just would love to hear about how you think and and why you think some things are funny um I've heard so many comedians talk about how they um, they said if it isn't real, it isn't funny. Yeah, yeah, because so much of our comedy is based off of observation. Right. Now you may see someone just walking down the street. I'm noticing so many other things: how they walk, where they're walking, where they're going. Why are they walking fast? Is somebody chasing them? Are they in trouble? <laughs> I, I mean, so so many things. I'm seeing hit, hit it. my yep, uh, yep. mind. Like, like I did tell people, I said it's usually about twelve people talking in my head yeah. at the same time, right? All right. the time, and they don't get along. So it's it, it's an oh, interesting. <laughs> I got it. Oh my god. So so yes, it's a it's a um, it's a truth. It it has to be based in our own reality. Yes. How how, how we see it whether it's religion, politics, 
social matters, whatever we want to, to talk about. Right. But I, I honestly believe it, it, is, it is a gift. It is truly a gift because in, in um, grammar school, when Bat, Batman, Batman and Robin was out with yeah, for, for, I, I wrote this, this little skit about Batman and Robin came to, to the hood and the, the people in the hood joined with Bat, Batman and Robin and we took, took over and was doing all this stuff and my science teacher saw it and said, this needs to be a play. And I was like, wow. But think about it. I said, mm. that was eighth grade. No one encouraged me to write. It was just something right. that I just did when yeah. I was supposed to be doing my science work. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were doing what you loved. Yes. Yes, that was your passion. Yes. yes. You know, uh, one of the things I'm thinking about here, uh, Myra, is at the time. We're baby boomers. Mm-hmm. And there were so many things that we were introduced to as black women mm-hmm. that many of our kids barely even know the history of now. Yes. In terms of your childhood and entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. what, did you have any family experience there? Um, not really. I'm, I'm trying to think. We didn't have really business on. Well, no. My, I, I did have a cousin who, whose wife's family owned the store and and it was a thing that I can remember going into the little neighborhood store and, and things oh and duh <laughs> my family's gonna kill me for for saying this now my my father my my parents weren't married so so that's why it's just now popping it's into just a me. piece of paper yeah <laughs> <laughs> my father owned the barbershop a couple of blocks down the street. Ah, well, and, that yes, yeah, there you yes. go. Good to Mary's yes, question. Yes, and and I can remember walking down to to the barber shop, and this would be in the fifties, sixties, and hearing the men talk, talk about oh know, my the, god the fights, Floyd Patterson. Oh yes, and, yes, and, and all that. And uh-uh. and I would be the only kid, and definitely the only girl, right, sitting there and just sitting there watching the men play checkers. Yep. And talk, talk about the fight, but but for me it was normal because I just knew my dad was the barber. I think Mary has something to say. Here. Oh my gosh, it, you know, <laughs> it must be a Mississippi thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it must be a Mississippi thing because I was that little girl okay. in my community. My community was Horsepen, Mississippi. Okay, you go figure where that is, right? <laughs> Um, and my grandfather was a bootlegger. Okay. My grandmother was an event planner. Okay. Now, I have a title, an industry for everything that all of my family, by the things they did. My mom was a dressmaker. Mm-hmm. So whereas many of the kids in the neighborhood were thinking that we were poor mm-hmm. and we didn't know how to do anything, on the other hand, I knew my dad was a mathematician. Mm-hmm. He had to be because he was the band responsible for weighing up all the cotton. Mm-hmm. My grandfather had to be a scientist. You know why? Because even when he made, was in the, at the distillery, mm-hmm. he had to know how to mix all those yes. ingredients yes. so that it wouldn't be fire, so that right. the alcohol fermented the way that it was supposed to. My grandmother took those spirits that my grandfather made, and she would have parties every weekend. So our house was like, the bar, right? But I called it the frolic house because so many things were going on. But like yourself, I was that little girl, paying attention to everything that everybody did. When I became an adult, mm-hmm. this is a true story. 
many of my cousins whom I observed as a little girl will now come back and say, well, why did, why did you do that? You just always had a need to know, always in grown folk business. Mm -hmm. Well, it was because God was preparing me for such a time as this. And I had to experience more lives than the average person because every day I've got all these different personalities that I'm dealing with. Oh, and by the way, I have those 12 personalities as well. <laughs> but here's the funny thing. They each have their own name. And so oh, I don't allow... There's a diagnosis this. for this, Mary. Yes, I, I know, Sarah. We're, we're talking about empowerment here oh, today. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. We're talking about empowerment. Forgive so with me. that empowerment, you know, my friends will say, well, who am I talking to today? I said, what's the topic? Okay. Oh, my God. So once we decide what topic we're going to talk about, we decide which personality will address that. Is that ever funny? I love it. But I it's also it. a way, that's another characteristic we can use for empowerment. Yes. Yep. You know, and regardless of what we do throughout the day, that is one of the most important things for me, is to be able to transition the mantle mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of knowledge, of wisdom, of relationships mm -hmm. to other generations. Yes, you yes. know, um, if I had something to say to my younger self, if I talk back to my younger self, like yourself, well, one of the things I will say is have fun now, mm -hmm. because I be, I was pregnant in high school, mm -hmm. got married right after high school, mm -hmm. so I didn't understand what all that meant. I do now. I work hard mm -hmm. and I play hard, but nonetheless, if we share the wisdom we have that gained over the years with the younger people. Can you just imagine how many pitfalls they're going to avoid? Yes. How many, you know, more resources they will have at their young age than what we did? Because yes. even within our communities, grown folks really didn't talk to kids. No, no. You know, if we were lucky enough not to get beat down, <laughs> we could sneak around and keep up with what was going yes. on, as it sounds like you yes. did, and yes. I know I definitely did. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you, you know what's... what's interesting I used to host a, a a woman's empowerment tour and one of the things with that I used to ask the the young women because I would call them out who's 20, 21 and under where are you you know and they would get I don't know, have have you seen the blah blah blah, blah video yeah shake your booty oh yeah and they would jump up and scream and start dancing I'm like I want you to know that you don't see any men in that video shaking their booty. Mm -hmm. But I promise you that a man was the director. Right. I said, now listen clearly. If there was money to be made in shaking your booty, they would be out there shaking their booty. I said, so you need to understand that your power is between your ears. It's your mind. Excellent, excellent. It's, it's, it's your mind. So rather than trying to be in a video, I said, why not you be the one behind the right. scenes creating the video? Why not think about ownership of a station? I said, we have to learn that it's okay to be owners, to be creator. This is mine. Right. I created it. Yep. I developed it. This is my baby. And you know, with uh, the STEM programs mm. that's being encouraged mm -hmm. today, yes. Yes. I, I look at my nephews and my nieces and, you know, with my foundation, the Mary Parker Foundation, Raising Other Generations, I have my eyes on over 400 kids, so mm -hmm. I know what they're doing. But here's the interesting thing. 
until we can work with these parents mm -hmm. and help them to understand what they what their children are doing parents are still not going to pay attention to it i challenge my kids to be creators to mm -hmm. be inventors of those games that they're playing every yes. day yes. and it's amazing what they're doing we actually and i have to give a plug to microsoft here we have partnered with microsoft our foundation and they are actually training our children how to program i love it i love it as well so now when they graduate from the program I'm bringing them back and say, okay, what are we going to create here? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to see you just playing the game. Yes. Right. I now want to see you developing Make yes. the games yes. and make your own right. money. Yes. That's mm -hmm. excellent. Yes. yes. I want to jump back to, to, to Myra and ask a question, because when you were talking about all of the different voices in your head, mm -hmm. it made me think of Robin Williams mm. and what an unbelievable comic mm -hmm. talent and an intellectual mm -hmm person as mm -hmm. well and I just wanted to ask you who some of your favorite comedians are oh my gosh uh, well d definitely Robin Williams Richard Pryor Dick Gregory um, Robin Harris Sinbad I like Wanda Sykes I like DL Hughley now but because he's con controversial yeah I I like comics uh, well first of all I love to laugh. I don't even have a problem with blue humor, if it's funny. But I love a comic who makes you think. Right. I love when a comic says something. Even D Dave Chappelle. I, I, I was saw just him. thinking of <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I saw him live when he was here for, for the first time okay. last year. And when he told the joke about the, the, the guy who came up to, to him in the voting line saying, uh, uh, yeah, Trump is going to help me. And, and he says to him, he said, no, he's going to help me. I'm rich. So it's humorous. Right. But when you think about it, you go, right. wow, very yeah. clever. He's right. You yeah. know, it's interesting to me, though, too, when you're on stage, you're telling the you're not telling little stories mm -hmm. you're telling one story mm -hmm. um, when you're up there and people expect you to have a beginning a middle and an end and I think they sometimes don't even know that they expect you to tell that story that way but how do you do that oh my gosh that well when when you have a when you have a POV, then 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 you have that that common thread yeah. throughout your 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 set. But I but I think for many comics, it takes years. It takes years to to develop okay. that talent to tie it all, all in together, yeah. and then come back and and button it at the end. I I've seen many many comics just get get up there and it's da 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 right. And and it's like, okay, you you told some some jokes, but but to be amongst the great ones, I mean, the, just just like I said, D Dick Gregory, I could sit there and listen to him twenty four seven. Moms, maybe. Oh he, my gosh, <laughs> I, I love I love moms. Right. Um, now Whoopi doesn't consider. She, she will tell you. She is not a comedian. She prefers to, she prefers to call herself an actress. Got it. Who can do comedic characters? Yeah. But but when when she first 
blew up and was doing those those characters. Yes. Those characters had meat to them. Yeah. And they were funny, but they were saying something. Yep. Yeah. And that's that's what I love. Absolutely. So when you when you're when you're up there, what what's your story? Oh my God. Um, be, primarily, being a woman in a man's world, I. I, I do a thing, I'm like, yep, this must be funny because the men are looking at me like, when is she going to get off the stage? I said, I said, and the women are falling out laughing. Right. So, so it's kind of like the, the, the voice for, for the voiceless because it is such a male-dominated feel. It's, it's changed, but trust me, in 85 and 86, no. a lot of times right. I would be the only woman yeah. standing there for, for open mic, like, if I can just get my three little minutes. Yep. And, and so since the beginning of time, male comics have been telling, you know, the old vaudeville joke, take my wife, please. Right. You know? So when, when a woman comes out and, and does that, we, we flip it, yeah. and then guys are like, well, that's male bashing. No, it's not. It's telling our side of the story. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Deal with it. Definitely. <laughs> and yeah. it's surprising, I think, to women and men when there's a successful female comedian. Be- because because we are still struggling. It's it's not over. You know, uh, we we still struggle for, for equal pay. Right. We still struggle for, for stage time. We struggle to, to headline. And, and part of it, and I have talked about this, is that women can also be at fault in this. And of course, you may have experienced this when they found out, wait a minute, a woman is running a right. company? I need to speak to your supervisor. Oh, yeah. I need to talk to, to, to your boss. And, and so as a female comic, we are backstage. We're watching the audience, and three guys can, can come out, and the women are laughing, and da 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 da, da. Yep. And the minute you come out, on stage, we see the body language change. Women will sit back and fold their arms yep. and look you up and down How, like, "Yeah, what, what is she wearing? You didn't care the guy was wearing." And and so we, <laughs> right. we have to go that extra mile to pull them in yep. and go, "Girlfriend, unbutton your skirt, relax, kick off your shoes. It's okay. I'm here to have fun. Yep. We're gonna tell some jokes tonight." Yep. You know. And, and have fun, but but it's like you still have to prove yourself yeah. many times as yeah. a woman. Yeah. You know, I, I've got a really, really important question. Okay. In terms of you being that female on stage or within an industry, specifically mm-hmm. males, mm-hmm. how did you engage them? Because so many times we look at those guys as our adversaries. How did you pull them in, or who did you pull in as an ally? Well, you, question, Mary. You know what? Um, I, I have to say the person who saw me perform and said, come here, I want to take you with me, his name was Robin Harris, who I mentioned. And he started to take me around to, to clubs because I had been performing, but, but I was primarily at, at white clubs performing. And when, when he saw me and he was taking me to, to different spots, guys would go, oh, oh, oh it's a woman going to tell some jokes. And Robin would, would nudge me like, go out there and get him. And, and I would go out there. And I, I never tried to beg for time or anything. I saw myself as a comic. Right. Period. I'm ju- 
I can be just as good male or female. Just give me the mic and let me get my stage time. And and so the guys really started to to respect me for for that. So I I did I didn't have a big big problem um, getting on stage. Once I got on stage, they might have a problem with what I said, but that that didn't bother me because that that's was a good just, thing. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's just <laughs> subjective. So I didn't care. But but it was just a matter of give me my respect as a fellow comic. I that's all that. I ask. I have one more question. Go sure. Um, when did you get on stage and you said, "I'm going to push the envelope here"? And what did you do? <laughs> Now that's a really good question, because I'm I'm one of those comics who I'm always trying to be conscious of my audience. Right. You know, I I don't want to to offend, and so it's it's been later in in life because I normally I I don't use any any foul language, okay. and and I still you know I I don't drop the the f bomb. I don't say the the n word or, or, or other things that that I consider vulgar. But every now and then, somebody does something. I, I was at a, a club in Dallas, and one of the comics told me it was, it was a, a woman there, a white woman, who was, was in the crowd. And when the people were, were on stage, she was flipping the bird to the comics when they were talking about black women and Mother's Day, because Mother's Day was coming. And one of the other comics pointed it out to me, said, watch this woman in the crowd over here. And I was l looking at her, she, she didn't know that, that I was going up. And I was like, okay. So I would go on stage and I said, before I begin my act, and I pointed her out, I said, if you flip the bird to me, you will find out that I can do more than tell jokes. Hello. And she, I mean, she literally, like face just lit up and she jumped up and ran. Oh my God! Ran from the club. But I was like, I said, no, no, girlfriend, not tonight. I'm not having it. Right. I'm not having it. You will not disrespect us. Right. Like that. And yeah. And and the the club owner came to me afterwards. And he he wasn't mad, but he was just like he said, I was just wondering why this woman was running through the parking lot to her car like somebody was behind her. I said, well, I may have threatened to chase her. Well, yeah. I guess that was an easy fix, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Can, oh. I know, I, I just, I've seen comedians <laughs> that have um, had a heckler or oh, something yeah. like that, yeah. and uh, when they've successfully trounced on the heckler, mm -hmm. the audience will cheer. Yeah, yeah. And that heckler becomes, you know, the scab, yeah, yeah, and and that's, they that's, don't they don't want to stay in yeah, the in yeah, the crowd, yeah, which yeah. is it's it seems like the audience really wants the comedian to be successful. Yes, yes, Mo most time every now and then you you get a person who thinks that they're funnier than, than the comic and they, they want to yell out and and I'm like, well, dude, come come on up and t take the mic. And improv is yeah, you have it, to be so good at improv when you have a heckler. Yeah, and that I I admit that's not my my strong suit, and and the reason is because I want to entertain the crowd. I'm not just gonna focus my act on you because right. you don't know how to sit there and be quiet. Right. And I I had to really work on focus and stay in my comedic mode. 
because otherwise oh, that's the, interesting. the south side of Chicago kind of comes out <laughs> and it's like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be telling jokes and I just ripped you a new one. So, <laughs> Which so, sometimes people, the audience will cheer you oh, on for doing that. the audience loves it but, but it, but it takes me out of my element of going, okay, where was I? Okay, Ooh, yes, yeah. I was over here yeah. being sweet and funny. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to yeah. make yeah. those segues. I think that, again, you have to be a great storyteller. Yeah. When you're yeah. A comic. yeah, absolutely. So yeah. finally... Young people who are interested, young people who are interested in careers in comedy, what piece of advice would you leave with them? I would definitely say study comedy. You have everything on YouTube now. Study comedy. Find your voice. What is, what is your message as a comedian? And then look at the great ones. I would encourage young people start off clean do clean comedy if if your persona t takes you to a different place later okay but as a clean comedian you can do tv you can do cable you can play at the church you can play at the nightclub if you are clean develop a good clean act first and then figure out what is your strong, strong suit. Is it performing or is it writing? Because we, we didn't even talk, talk about it. I wrote, wrote for you know te television. I wrote for, for Martin and hanging with Mr. Cooper and so, some of the, the shows here in Atlanta. And I find that I, I love them both. Right. You know, I, and I absolutely love it. But, and, and I would tell them, get your stage time. Get, you know, get, get up, be, be prepared to wait. You may not get on stage. Go to the next club, but just keep plugging at it and plugging at it and plugging at it and plugging at it. But if it's your your passion, you will know it. Perseverance. Great. Thank you Great so much. That was just, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. And your story is definitely the story of a chicken chart. So stay tuned. We're going to be back on. We've had a wonderful time with Myra J. Woo! Sarah Smith, and none other than our own Port Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to The Chicken Charge at thechickincharge.com. Get a free download of Mary Parker's Tips for Success, tips that'll make short work of some of today's most challenging issues facing female business owners. Thanks for listening to The Chicken Charge. <laughs>